Hey everybody, welcome to week eight of 52 weeks of career empowerment. I am your host, Andrea Pagnosi. I'm also a career empowerment coach who's fiercely dedicated to helping everybody realize their true career potential this year. We started last week, the first of a two-part series on having difficult discussions in the workplace. Last week, we dove into what I refer to with my clients as the ABCD method of having straight talk. It comes from A, a place of abundance, where you're not necessarily acting like you're coming from a place of, hey, I've done the work. Here's what it's all about. We're going to have an adult discussion. And the B transitions to a statement of balance. Help you, help me. Help me, help you. Give, take, yin, yang. What am I trying to get out of this discussion? What am I going to leave with? And, and better yet, what are you going to get out of this as well? There's something for everyone in the outcome. That's the balance state. The C in the ABCD method refers to being crystal clear about what that outcome is. And the D is having a two-way discussion. Now, it sounds a lot easier than a lot of people give it credit for. It takes some practice. It takes some getting used to because usually when we have difficult discussions, we're either on the offense and go in with this sort of both guns a blazing attitude and it's all about you and it's all coming from an ego perspective or we're coming from a defense perspective overly anticipating all the negatives that are going to come out of the discussion before you've even set foot in the door. And that's assuming, and we don't like to assume. So using this method helps take the defense and the offense out of things, which is interesting because it is a very different way to look at having difficult discussions. And if more people practice this method, maybe these difficult discussions wouldn't be so difficult and they would have a favorable outcome. So that's what our mission is with this topic over the last two episodes. This episode is the second of the two, and it's gonna shift perspective away from the employee initiating the conversation and focus instead on the leaders of organizations actually initiating difficult discussions and how they can use the ABCD method. But even if you're not a leader, if you're trying to become a leader and get promoted, if you work for leaders that need to do this better, this is gonna be an informed episode for you because it teaches you again to take the negative energy out of the situation and it can help you react and respond differently when leaders of organizations deliver difficult news. You know, change is ridiculously hard for people. More now than ever before, we're two years into a pandemic. We've been at a distance from each other and we're social beings and people are fed up with that. We're even less agile than we are typically. And most importantly, many people don't feel like they're being heard in any of this, which is why I started this two-part topic from the employee's perspective so that they could be heard first. In many instances in a corporate setting, when difficult discussions are broached, it's an announcement made either verbally or in written form in an email, and nothing is really explained. That C part of the ABCD method is, is strongly lacking. There's not a lot of explanation 
question, not a lot of answers. They don't even give an opportunity for Q&A or they pre-think the Q&A so as not to over-promise and under-deliver. The legal team gets involved and the compliance officers start to consider, hey, what can we tell people up front that we anticipate they'll ask and we'll give very canned response, not candid responses. But this information is just delivered to people. It's just dropped in their laps. The discussions that transpire end up transpiring with the people that aren't decision makers. They're in the dark as much as you are. Your directors, your managers, who are left to kind of pick up the pieces. They may get those Q&A documents and they may get directives from the corporate legal team that says these are the only things you can set. You can't stray from this, particularly when there's things like mergers, acquisitions, layoffs. If you are a leader in one of those situations, there is a way to use the ABCD method in response to these situations, in conversations with your people that allows you to stay within the confines of the guardrails your legal team is given you, but still be there for your people, which frankly is really what they're looking for. At a time of great change, people want leaders to step up and be there. They're really steadfast in enabling people. So tonight we're going to enable strong leadership skills. We're going to prepare future leaders and inclusive team members to understand the power of communicating effectively, even when you don't have all the answers and not put yourself at risk. We're going to talk about listening with intention and exercising empathy, which two weeks ago, if you haven't listened to that episode, episode six with our guest Rhonda Robinson was all about that. It was all about getting leaders to operate with more intention and be more empathetic and listen more than they speak. Or overcome conflict involves reading people's body language, which is hard to do in a virtual world. And it's inclusive in its methodology. And that's why ABCD method of ducting straight talk is a better method than just dropping things in people's lap. And it still comes back to those same four components. Coming from a place of abundance, what's good in the wake of change? That's what a place of abundance is. No one wants to hear how it's going to be good for the business or the right thing to do if, in fact, you're laying off 20% of your work like a company recently did. And we'll talk about that in a minute. But it is important to explain the cause and effect as best you can. It is important to do that. Clarity. Legally, this is a fine line to walk. So at times you can only be partial about this, but commit to telling people individually who are concerned and have come to their leaders, we're gonna give you a method to have that two-way discussion. Let them speak first, last, and let them drive the conversation. So let's use a very big change that organizations can announce. We'll talk about layoffs. In the wake of the pandemic, most people left voluntarily it seems, but let's recall that many industries were hit very hard initially in 2020 because small businesses and other organizations decided to cut workforce. Some tried to be creative and not cut heads, but cut raises and promotions and that sort of thing. They froze their open vacancies and froze their hiring, changed their hiring strategies and so forth. It's really hard to come from a place of abundance in these situations. Typically, there's a follow-up to an announcement of layoffs at a managerial level with those left behind or to prepare people individually for the weeks to come. This is not the time 
although many leaders do this to talk about times like these and it's poetic. Anecdotal, I've been there or we're all in this together is not a welcome tack to take. Being silent is. So the place you can come from abundance is to not say a damn thing. Recently, this was displayed so poorly publicly at one company that it went literally viral. And it went viral in real time on TikTok, Snapchat, and on Facebook. And almost 900 employees were laid off from a company called Better.com. And the CEO, Vishal Garg, faced a ton of backlash when he just laid them off on a Zoom. Everybody thought it was another all-hands meeting that he typically hosted. He just said, if you're on this call, you're part of the unlucky crew that's leaving effective immediately. And he followed up during the call. He said, last time I did this, I cried. I hope to be stronger this time. That was probably the most insensitive public betrayal of a company that I have ever seen. And I felt for the guy, I really did, because I think he thought the method he was using was the right. But in the aftermath, he took a leave of absence because several of the better.com, the executive board, exited the company. They did not think that was the right way to do it. And not only was he not using the ABCD method, but he showed no legitimate measure of humanity or humility in the way he delivered that message, which are two primary components of empathy that we discussed a couple of episodes ago with Rhonda Robinson. So in this scenario, it was really not done well. Really, it was a bad choice to do that the way he did it. So when you're handling layoffs, how would you better handle it? And how would ABCD method enable people to be more understanding and feel more empathy in an organizational situation? I would come from an abundant place by replacing the A in this case to acknowledging the seriousness of the situation. It's acknowledging and simply opening the dialogue by saying, I can only imagine what may be going through your heads with this news. So I want to provide a safe space and my personal availability to you in this forum now or when you're ready to speak on a more personal level. Had he said at least that and said it in a very different way, it might have been taken differently. But the leaders of the organization truly needed to enable these types of conversations in the wake of what was done. And this is what I was talking about at the start of the episode, where a lot of times managers are left to pick up the pieces and if that's the case, these follow-up discussions need to sound just like that, acknowledging the seriousness of the situation and opening a forum, open dialogue without repercussion. The balance statement of help me help you, this actually comes later with layoffs. It doesn't come immediately. You need to gauge the stage for this. I say this often to leaders who've had to lay people off. There are five stages of grief, according to psychologists. Denial, anger, depression, bargaining, and acceptance. Whether you are laid off or left behind, you are going to face these stages because layoffs are traumatic. They're psychologically traumatic. Everyone travels this journey of grief at a different rate. Some will go forward and back. Some will skip stages and think they're helping themselves. They're not. Some will dwell on certain stages longer than others. Some will double back. It's all based on the headspace of the person. And every day they could be in a different headspace. Accepting 
accepting. And now I don't just accept it anymore because my peers are getting jobs faster than I am and I need a job. I've got two kids and now I'm back to depression or anger. Denial may be over, but I at my wit's end to try to find another job. So it's holding me back. And once they hit a permanent acceptance stage, I'm going to put this behind me. That's when people around you can say things like, our loss is going to be someone's incredible gain. And this could be a great opportunity for your advancement or venturing into a new career that brings you more happiness. My greatest hope is that everyone lands in a place that is better than anyone imagined. That's when it's okay to say those types of things. Because I know one thing, although people who are in those early stages of grief don't want to hear this right now, you're going to end up in a better place. Always. Once you're ready to accept it. But going through those stages, you don't want to hear that crap. You just don't. So as a leader, don't dish out the crap. The balance statement of help you help me is, hey guys, I'm here for you. I'm willing to give references, happy to write an endorsement on LinkedIn, whatever you need me to do. You just reach out to me, you let me know. Let's help each other through this. It's to be that coach that people need. That's the balance of help me help you in layoff situation. The clarity side of layoffs comes when they need information you can share. Not the Q&A necessary, but layoffs are as clear initially as mud and it's all handled by HR. And there's only so much you can say as a leader, especially if you're being asked to stay behind and it only affects a few on your team. Well, that's going to hurt your team. So the clarity needs to come from a place of sticking to the script initially and not straying, but being super consistent, super, super consistent. Because what's going to happen is rumors are going to surface all kinds of blame and doom and gloom as people are going through those stages of grief. And the manager usually faces undue scrutiny. They'll, I know you knew this was happening. How could you do this? You knew I was getting married. You knew I was having a baby. You knew this. You knew that. How couldn't you tell me? Why couldn't you tell me? I don't want to hear it that it was a legal issue. I don't believe that you didn't know all of these things. You were going to be the punching bag. So consistency breeds acceptance, regardless of whether they agree with it. I'm not saying agreement. We're saying acceptance. Change is always constant. So I train people to behaviors within corporate settings with leaders that enable strength in dealing with situations like this, where you have to show up and cannot operate outside the box. You have to be consistent with your message. We're going to get through this. We're going to build again. We're going to help our peers get better jobs. We are going to support each other in all of this. We are going to be a team and stick to the Q&A script. More consistency, the better. And it needs to come from all leaders. The problem that happens is when some leaders try to be heroes in this situation, trying to do these side hustle, oh, this is what I try to be more relatable and try to keep people's chins up even higher. That's dangerous because when it doesn't stick to the script, the message gets muddled. That's where the rumors come from. That's where the blame and the doom and the gloom. That's where the stages of grief skip steps and bebop and scat all over the place because people have tried to stray from the script. Consistency breeds acceptance. So that clarity is just, even if you don't agree with it, even if it doesn't say very much, repetition, building retention from everybody. The D, the discussion is not finite. As employees assimilate the change in the stages of grief, they're going to vacillate between various stages day to day, like I said. 
and everyone's different. So leaders need to practice active listening. What's active listening? People talk about that all the time. It's listening like you care. It's nodding at the appropriate time. It's parroting back what you hear and not trying to solve every problem, but just hold their hand, put your arm around them, figuratively speaking, and have an open mind and an open ear and an open mic for them to just go off and not judge them. That's what ABCD looks like. Listen without judgment, actively, parroting back what you hear, try to help them through the stages, be consistent in your responses, because that lends clarity over time. Whether or not they agree with it is okay. But the help you help me of the balance is really just that, being there for them during a difficult time being that open here. Now, companies have a lot of reasons for layoffs. There are financial implications that may not be going well. There is supply not beating demand, being outsourced, being outmoded by competitors. There's a lot of different reasons. And again, most of them are financial. There are, however, situations, and this happened in 2008 when we had a great deal of recession. It's starting to happen now where companies were healthy over the last six or seven years. And they grew and they started to diversify and they started to, to build. They were in a build couple of few years and now they've built exponentially. And as everybody started to really figure out what their true jobs were, they realized we grew too big too fast. And so now we're laying off as a result of that because we've got people doing light jobs, stepping all over each other and people are frustrated. And that's why a lot of people left the workforce. They didn't even wait to be laid off. They were like laying off their companies versus being laid off. But in the last probably year and a half, I've asked several of my clients who have been the ones to make the choice to go before they were asked to leave, did you see or fear that was coming? And in most instances, the answer was the level of ambiguity made me nervous. And when I asked my leadership for clarity, they ignored me. So think about that for a minute. If you're a leader out there, if you're the head of an organization, ambiguity breeds a lack of confidence. Consistency breeds acceptance. Think about that. We're going to segue to a different scenario, one that I think is really, really a necessary conversation that organizational leaders need to have with people. And that is not when the market shifts, not when the dynamics of their goal setting strategies have been defunct, but when everyone else is working their tails off and getting great results and there's just this one who's not, could be doing so much more performance improvement. This is a difficult conversation because many times people get defensive. And remember the ABCD method is supposed to enable a two-way dialogue where there is no offense and defense, but it's just a positive discussion to come to an outcome that's more positive than where you're beginning. So you've got somebody on your team who's not pulling their weight. You've got to address it as a leader. Coming from a place of abundance, this is a great opportunity for you to not compare this person to everybody, which a lot of managers tend to do. Hey, this person's pulling their weight. That person's pulling theirs. Why aren't you? That's not the way to do it. Coming from a place of abundance is, hey, we're all people. 
We all have times in our careers where we have highs and we have lows. You've had some highs here. You're really good at X, Y, or Z. This is a great opportunity for you to show that. Whatever X, Y, and Z is, talent, attitude, attribute, behavior, something that they bring to the table, which was the reason why either you hired them or they've been at the company as long as they have. This is a great opportunity for you to show X, Y, Z so that you can be Y by Z. This is a great opportunity to show your great selling skills so that by October, which is the end of our fiscal year, you're in the top 10 in the organization. There's still time for that. You've pulled it out before. You can do it again. That's coming from a place of abundance, putting them at the forefront. You don't know somebody's narrative. You don't know their plight in life. And even if you do, that's not really an excuse to not pull their weight at work, unfortunately. People will gravitate to moments in their life and blame and all of that, but we're trying not to be defensive. Or often, we're trying to come from a place of abundance. Hey, this is a situation, but it gets better. That balances what we learn in the process. For the employee in a situation where there's a performance improvement situation, it's about the consequences of actions or inactivity that has gotten them to the place that they're at. For the organization, it's how this person will or will not rise to the occasion and turn things around. The help me help you is, what are you not getting that you feel you need to succeed in this situation? How can I help? Last week, when we talked about the ABCD method, we talked about an employee broaching the topic of I'm not doing well. Balance statement is I'd like to do X by Y. How can you help? Here, the shoe's on the other foot. The boss has come to you and said, what can I do to help you? Where are you missing the boat to succeed? I'm here to help. Because that's your job when you're a manager is to help them exceed expectations. Not just be mediocre, help them exceed. So the clarity that comes out of this is this is what must change. Call it out. Your numbers are not where they've been historically. I'm not sure the why behind it. And if you want to talk about it, I'm here for you. But if not, and you want to move on from here in a successful manner, you got to turn it around by this date. And I'm here to help you do that. The two-way dialogue should be coaching behaviors and to the point. Don't stray. Here's where you're lacking. Here's where I need you to focus. Here's where I'm going to help. And it should be followed up in writing. Frankly, all of the scenarios we talked about last week and this should always be followed up in writing. Difficult discussions require that. They just do. It's like a contract between people. Performance improvement. This is a great opportunity to show X by Y. The balance is here's the situation as it stands. Here's what you need to turn around. Here's how I can help. Clarity, this must change by this date. Discussion, here's how I can coach you to be better. It's as simple as that. It's a much better thing than you're not pulling your weight. Everybody else on the team is carrying. You suck. Have a nice day. That does not have a positive outcome. It just doesn't. There are times when leaders themselves have to eat crow. And I go back to the example of better.com. I had mentioned that Vishal Garg, who was the CEO, took a much needed time to reflect on the way he had handled the situation of the layoffs. And he did come back to the CEO post after some time off. And he really reflected on his lack of empathy, his ability to handle the situation and what he could do better. And if I'm a betting person, probably leaned on mentors and coaches to try to right the ship. So there is a point in organizations when you acknowledge mistakes. I actually mentioned one of many of the companies that experienced a lot of growth in the years prior to the pandemic expanded exponentially without the question of why. 
or should we? We got money, we're going to spend it on people, power and people. When you're saturated with people and the company doesn't require that more for whatever reason, scale back, supply outweighing demand, then you have to acknowledge a mistake has been made here. We grew too far too fast. This is tough for a leader or organization to admit. It's a testament to both humility and humanity. Trust is going to be compromised depending upon the scope of the situation. When things have been missed, integrity lies in what you do to overcome it. And I actually applaud anybody who does what Vishal Garg did. Take the time to sit and reflect on what it is you've done to assess the landscape and figure out the right path forward instead of doing something rash. So how do you use ABCD? in those situations. When you're looking for abundance in situations where you've made mistakes, lean on your humanity and admit that mistakes were made. Again, we're changing the A here. From abundance to simply admission of the mistake. Acknowledge the mistake has been made and here is my takeaway. Here's what I've learned. A leader once tell me there are no such thing as failures if you try. That leader was my dad and he ran businesses and he said to me, if you've tried and failed, to achieve something. You haven't failed at all. You've simply enabled yourself to learn from a mistake that you've made, but you tried. You either jumped too far or just short of goal, and what can you do differently next time? So if you're coming from a place of abundance, you certainly can't come from a place of failure. You have to come from a place of wanting to do better. The balance statement in this is, here's how I'm going to rectify this. Realizing that it may not fully recoup what's been lost in the process of whatever mistake was made, but it has to come through with being really clear on how you ensure it's not going to happen again. So the help me help you is, here's how we're going to rectify it. And here's how I'm going to promise it never happens again. The clarity comes from the steps to rectify it, which need to be really clearly drafted and agreed upon by the organization. Here's what we're going to do to rebuild. Here's what we're going to do to rebuild your trust. We're just asking for you to acknowledge. The discussion is an open forum of letting people share how the miss may have affected them. Listen to people and how they feel is a really new concept for companies. And they're adopting it simply because of the times we're it. We're experiencing a greater sense of awareness and consciousness at a global level. And as companies begin to adopt that type of confidence in themselves to be more conscious, they're allowing some of these open forums. A great deal of Fortune 100 and Fortune 500 companies have instituted these practices. They call them fireside chats, roundtable discussions, and panel discussions. And they create these forums where people just have open mic and they share how they feel as employees over radical changes that have gone on. It's not an easy seat to sit in as a CEO to hear how you've disappointed people, but it is a great way to make yourself more human, more humble, and less dictatorial. It's about the commitment to the people to listen to how you've made them feel. And it goes a long way. You see, in most instances we shared last week from the employee's perspective, leaders of organizations, you're a passive contributor to the ABCD conversation. With the leader or the organization in the driver's seat of these conversations, the employee is passive but is still a contributor. So it depends upon what, what foot you're leaning on. The two most important aspects of both leader and employee in these conversations is the communication that's happening between them and how you respond to it. Let's go back for a moment to last week's ABCD 
straight talk examples. We talked about promotions. Your role as a leader, when somebody says to you, I think it's time for me to be promoted. I've only been here eight years with great experience. How can I get there from here? Where do you see me? Remember who went in thinking she was gonna complain about a promotion she got passed over for, and because she used ABCD and thought provocatively beforehand and got all the defensiveness out of her, in a safe space with me, her coach, she was able to go in with an open mind and a clear head, and she ended up with a better promotion in the end than the one she was going for. So when you're a leader, your role is to support your people and provide the straight talk in promotion situations that they're asking for. Where do you see them? If not in this role, where? And if there are gaps, where are they? And what can you do to help me close them? Level set. And whether you commit to mentoring them, connecting them with someone who can. Maybe you're not the best source, but you can be a resource and a conduit to getting to someone who can help them. That's where the magic happens. That's where the help me help you happens. The balance. You may not be able to wave a magic wand and give them a promotion, and they may not even be in, in line for anything else, but you can help with their perception in the organization and lift their spirits to say, hey, we're going to get you there from there. Asking for help. If your employee asks you for help, it's the same thing. Your role is to support them. It's to open doors. It's to pull levers that they may otherwise not be able to reach or budge on their own. Listen to them. I need help. That takes a lot for someone to admit that. Acknowledge that. I appreciate you coming to me because it means that you trust that I can help you and I'm going to, directly or indirectly. Provide communication and commitment forward, but give them the help they're asking for. Otherwise, they'll never ask again and you've lost their trust. Raises. We talked about asking someone for a raise. It's a must-have discussion. Same thing. Your role is to listen it's to acknowledge what you've heard. It's not in any of these situations to be anecdotal and say, hey, I didn't get a raise either. You want help? I want help. No one's getting help. You want a promotion? Hey, I've been on a list for three years. No one having a difficult discussion means it was difficult to come to you. Open your heart. Listen actively and be supportive. Your role in leadership mastery comes down to six C skills. Connect with your people. Communicate with them early and often. Commit to what you'll do for them and clarify what you need them to do for you. Champion their causes and their talent and coach where those things don't exist. Those are the six C skills. The greatest, most effective leaders of the 20th century all exhibited mastery levels of those six skills. If they didn't, they were vilified in some way, either publicly or personally. Truly great leaders excel in all of these things, and if they don't, they at least try. People skills are paramount, and each one of the C skills engage and empower people, and if you don't do them well, they knock you down. So what the ABCD method is created for is to enable you to better empower and enable your people towards exceeding their goals. I hope these last two weeks have been educational for you. I urge you to try the ABCD method of straight talk. It changes the game and it allows you to be more connected, more communicative. It allows you to offer more clarity as a leader and it enables you to champion people 
to commit to the things they need to get ahead and coach them where necessary. That's all for this week. We'll connect with you next week. Same time, same place, more power. Thank you.